Hello, hello, hello. All right. Um, don't panic. Dave is here. He just came. He just turned up and he froze like he, you know, he does. So, you know, I thought being in Devon and Cornwall, hang on, am I going to sneeze? <sighs> Stick your finger in your eye and it's fine. Stop sneezing. Just had a message from Nick Downing. Um, he is just watching the rugby on Amazon. All uh, oh, right. He's going to join us at 440. That next Nick Downing. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what the score was or anything because people might have recorded it or whatever, but England match, proud to be England. Um, <coughs> so welcome everyone, thanks, really good to see you. Um, Dave is, he was with me and then he just went, so then he's gone out, oh there, there he is, right, he's changed, <laughs> shall I bring him on? Yeah, sure, let's bring him on. Hello buddy, how are you? Are you with us? Calling that, see, this is what it is, you see, he's just frozen. He's Fen's toy supplier. Glad we know that's a dog, that's all I'll say. Um, yeah, so anyway, he's trying, he's trying. I'm he's very trying. Oh, there you go, mate, you've come back with it. I thought Devon had a reputation of being poor with technology and all that. I have got really? the super duper, just, just chat, I've got 230 Mbps or whatever that means. Blimey. Are you still on 4G? His Wi-Fi is so rubbish, he goes on to the 4G. There, there he goes, he's frozen. What I suggest, Dave, you do is you talk very quickly for about four seconds because you'll freeze after that. <laughs> we have got Nick Downing, who is going to be coming on shortly. Um, is He was a, an assistant chief constable. And if you're into Twitter, you'll probably know him. If you follow policing at all and you're onto Twitter, that's not a good look, Dave. Um, and uh, you will know him. He is incredibly, do you know what? He was, you could tell when someone's got a bit of humanity about them, when they give a shit, you know? I can say that, Dave can't. Um, and I, I think it's a really, you're right, Dave. No. You're back with us. He's back well, in the room. Why? He just tries a different room every time. <laughs> He's frozen again. <laughs> you're, are your 12 children and your two wives uh, all on Wi-Fi at the moment? Is that what's happening, Dave? Why is it so different? Gone again. <clears throat> Tell your neighbours down the road to switch their Wi-Fi off because you need uh, Are you sure you haven't got anything on upstairs? <laughs> this is where, I'm with you for this, a second. <laughs> this is where I want to witness a, a live domestic occurrence. Yeah. <laughs> We nearly had one before we came live. I'm running around the house trying to find a room where it works. And Deborah was like, oh, you should have done this before. <laughs> have, you, have you gone for height? Are you upstairs? No, no, no that would be even worse upstairs. I, in fact, I'd probably be better up the garden in the shed. <laughs> and Deborah's thinking, Deborah's thinking, yeah, you would be much better up the garden <laughs> in the shed. Did, hang on a minute. She can she can put the working dogs in the sheds, but she can't put the husband as well. I don't think. Oh no, she okay. put the husband in the shed before the working dogs. Yeah, no, <laughs> I get that. I get that, mate. Mate, we wanted to talk about this, didn't we? Right. This is what we wanted to talk about. We need to talk about this. This. Yes. <clears throat> and there's a few things we wanted, but just look, everyone. This is the um, Matt Ratana uh, is obviously the police sergeant, custody sergeant. Um, who was murdered and shot in custody. And I think we've just learned since what an absolute star. He's a Kiwi, New Zealander, um, 
and he did an awful lot for youth rugby. And then he was actually the coach for the the main, um, not just the kids, is it? It's the the main rugby team, I think it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. Um, and so now, amazing. Uh, Dave, can you remind me? I have got the thing you gave me, uh, the amount. I mean, they are style so, shirts. I like them. I've got one. The last update I saw was they were... 80,000 pounds and they hope to be up to 100,000 by tomorrow. So I think they're going to smash that, but you know, it's some, if it goes beyond that, then I think everybody would be, would be, uh, would be really happy. It's, it is, isn't it? Now, this is the actual, um, advert they, they put, uh, I'm just highlighting that one. So excuse for the production My, team. Mine's on order. Yours, yours is on order, isn't it? Yeah, I've got mine's on order as well. Um, and there's other stuff. You can see the stuff you can get. And it's uh, nothing memory of Matt Rutana. And it is the um, uh, Rugby Foundation. And if you actually see, the four, I think a lot of people are actually taking photographs of themselves with the number four up, because those are the four points. You donate, <clears throat> and basically you can pay for the shirt what you want, but there's sort of a minimum recommendation price. Uh, so for the rugby shirt, for example, it's £39, but you can donate more than that. But they're really good quality. They look really stylish. Uh, I like them because there's not many rugby shirts I sort of go for, but I must admit. Um, so, yeah, those are the four things that you can do. And it's all about spreading the word and, and doing that side of things. So uh, I'm looking forward to mine. I'll be wearing mine next week. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was this was a guy who got, he got a lot of flack. Uh, a lot of flack. But he got some flack for putting a few weight during COVID. And uh, Nick Knowles, our very good friend, isn't he, Dave? We, we uh, yeah, spend a lot of Nick. Yeah. And uh, he put this on. So there's proof. He's he's lost that weight when he did the DIY SOS in Wales, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, so, yeah, he's he's certainly lost that. So he's looking uh, looking good. That's what made me think, oh, I'm going to get a shirt. So, yeah. <laughs> And I think the women's shirts are nice as well. You know, yeah, they look lovely. They've got a little bit of pink trim on them. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to mine coming. Harry, there's a couple of people saying that you're just a little bit crackly, and I can hear a little crackle from from you as well. Right. Okay. I will check my. I'll change my audio, mate. And let's go for this. Hang on a minute. But yeah, I'd say they were they were up to eighty thousand earlier. They hope to get to a hundred. Hopefully, they'll smash that hundred to pieces and just keep going because it's uh, you know it's an incredible. From something so tragic, it would be lovely to get something really positive. Yeah, exactly. Um, that is really positive. I think that is that better, or what's it yeah. like? That, yeah, yeah. that much. I've just taken. See, look, there you go. I take that mic off. Uh, I did my audio. I did my audio book with that, and it's yeah. now for some reason on here. I don't know if it's too much electronic stuff, but it's recently I've been getting that. So I'm just using the laptop one now. Right. Mate, how are you? I'm very good, mate. Yeah, very good. I was just able to show people Finn. There he is. Ah, look. Oh, these look yeah. so cute. Never how can that? How can that? How can that strike fear into anyone, Dave? <laughs> yeah, I know. He was very fierce. He still still has his moments where he uh, he has a pop at people, especially if he's in the van. If he's in the van, that's it. He's like, rah, 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 rah. He, he just looks like a cute puppy now, mate. That's all he does. Look, he hasn't got a, an aggressive bone in his body. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you his, switch him. If someone tries to mess with his peanut butter toast, he will. <laughs> Unless you switch him on, basically, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, mate. Yeah, he's he's wonderful, bless him. 
Did you, yeah. did you see that Finn's law was sadly used again this morning? Oh, I didn't, mate. PD Stark, I... uh, police dog Stark and his handler attended mm. uh, a dog and... Uh, I see what you mean now. Yes, I do. I won't go into details, obviously, but um, he was charged uh, with Finn's law and a number of other offences. So, although obviously we hoped it would never be used, but we knew it would. So it's great to see it being used. Yeah. Yeah, there was some really nasty um, scarring on the de- dogs. I decided not to just put it up on it because sometimes it, it really... I mean, my um, my wife, for example, she's more than happy to see injuries on people, but animals, no chance. Yeah. Uh, so it really, it really plays on her mind. So I'm a bit cautious about what I put up. But yeah, horrendous injuries, just like with Finn, really, around his head and things. But really making a good recovery, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, PDSA were... Well, there he's i've spoken to his handler a number of times we're trying to tr- try to turn it into a positive and do some fundraising for pdsa and his local retired police dog charity the west midlands benevolent fund um so uh, but yeah he was a very lucky boy uh, by all accounts yeah. he was incredibly lucky it was a big old machete um and he was bashed around the head with it um but missed his eye thank goodness because that could have been a, a life changer oh goodness yeah didn't get any any vital uh, organs or anything like that. So he's done um, he's done very well. And the PDSA were absolutely wonderful. Anybody who doesn't know the PDSA, go and look them up. They are absolutely an incredible charity. So yeah, they're doing very well. They've um, they've asked us to to pass on that they're both doing very well. Yeah, I mean, there, there's uh, I see Nick's just come into the green room. He's cracking open the Beaujolais already or whatever it's called. He's it's gone for the expensive stuff. I see. Yeah, um, Don, Donna, you're the same as my wife. She just it really plays on her mind, and she can't can't sleep sometimes when she sees um, animals that have been injured and things. It's just that affects. Whereas children, people, fine, no problem. <laughs> so, um, that's how we are. But <clears throat> now, Nick, Nick Downing. So I was just explaining. Uh, when you were freezing and stuff and running around the house shouting at the kids, Dave. But um, <laughs> Nick's quite a man because I've known him for several years and I've, I've had a chat with him and uh, we said we need to meet up for a beer and things. And it's always been a bit, it's always a bit weird, isn't it? Because you get some people who are just really some dead um, career-minded people. And yet there's some people who reach the tops and they are absolutely got, show their humanity. And it was only really speaking to him recently that you suddenly sort of realise why, because he's had a fascinating life and not the usual route that Assistant Chief Constable would take. Um, he retired from ACC, to, to, to retired, uh, retired from policing. He was in the Met and he was in Kent. And he was doing an interesting job since there for 11 months um, until COVID start, struck and things. So I think we'll do no more than to uh, to bring him on. Shall we just bring him on and see what the man's got to say? He's, he's certainly... Um, before Nick, you can hear me, but I won't give the result of the rugby just in case somebody is actually watching. Um, is going to look at it afterwards. To speak to you. <laughs> Yay! Right, Nick. How Hello. are you, Nick? How are I'm you? Right. You're looking rugged. You're looking rugged. You're looking good. He's well, all right, Nick. I, I had to have a workout before I came on just to make sure you know I left a good impression. <laughs> this is it. This is it. That's what Dave and I always do. Um, Firearms boy. He's the only one who's impressed by muscles. <laughs> well, 
I did say this to Harry yesterday to to actually be on here with a dog handler and a, a traffic cop is uh, a, a bit surreal for a detective. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And then I said something like, "Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot you're a detective." So um, I, maybe I should think twice about bringing you on here. Um, yeah. But you you started right. So let's see. I didn't. I've forgotten. I must admit where you started it all off. Where were you born and brought up? So I was born in, in Nottingham, but brought up in, in Devon. So out um, a little village called Horrorbridge, right out on the moors near Tavistock, yeah. for anyone who knows. I know you, you know that, Harry. Beautiful part of the country. I've uh, done all the walks across Dartmoor, and now I absolutely hate camping. <laughs> I can't stand it now. You and that is strange because I brought us brought up doing all that, and I just literally went wild camping a couple of weeks ago. And what you because I'm not entirely convinced the last time I'm just going to bring a photo up here. What put you off it? What put me off it? The, the bed, yeah. As, as I got older, I like my creature comforts and. You know, and a man of a certain age has to get up during the night sometimes. <laughs> so but that, leaving a tent. But that's the best bit. You put your bare feet into your wet boots. You stand in your underpants outside of the tent having a wee. And then you look up and you see the stars as bright as you like. And you've never seen them before because there's no light pollution. And I look to my side and there's Arthur having a pee next to me. And, uh, you know, and Arthur's the dog, everyone who doesn't know. Oh, but that's just amazing. But yeah, it does take a bit of courage, doesn't it, to do that bit? Yeah, but it's not for me. A nice hotel, if I can, then uh, more than happy. Bit of glamping. I don't mind that. In a year, I'll, I'll, I'll do what? that. That's you know. all right. Is, where's this one, mate? Where's this photo? So, so this is at Snowden. So I'm I'm the one just outside of the picture now. You can just see me. <laughs> is that right? I yeah. assumed that was you. You with the, the rosy the, cheeks. I, I, I'm the one, blonde hair. I, I have to show. I showed my kids that picture, and they didn't believe it was me because no. of the, the the blonde like hair there. there. And and this is on one of the ridges at Snowden. Right. So back in 1989, when oh I was about twenty. Uh, well, I was. 18, 19 then. So how the hell, how the hell did you get from a little village in Devon to the Met and climbing up the ranks up initially in the Met, weren't you? Um, and, yeah. you know, what, what happened there? What made you go for that? So what, what made me go for the Met? So yeah. ha having or left policing. school. Yeah, so ha having left school, um, I had one, one O level in uh, English literature and a CSE grade one, which I'm really proud of in geography. Uh, so my options weren't, you know, weren't forthcoming. I, I was very outward boundy, um, reasonably fit. So I went and did a public services course. It's called a pre-services course at the, uh, the Plymouth College of Further Education. Yeah, um, well. a, a great establishment. Um, just at the bottom of Union Street, another wonderful place in, in Plymouth. Um, and I did a two-year pre-services course. Oh. Got another couple of O-levels. And then I saw this advert, um, join the elite, the Met Police Cadets. 
And I thought, well, I've got, I've got to give that a go. And somehow... That was a lie from the start, wasn't it, Dave? But anyway... <laughs> well... <laughs> you guys, eh? Yeah, so um, I, I, I went for it and I got it. And I always remember because I had to do the, um, the entrance exam. So at Crown Hill Police Station back again yeah. in Plymouth. And I also had to have um, my height and weight done at Charles Cross Police Station in, in Plymouth. And they, the crusty old skipper there, it wasn't you, Harry, this is before your time. The skipper says, why why are you doing that, son? Why why are you leaving us to to go there? And it it was basically, um, Devon and Gorman at that time didn't have cadets. So, and my options were, I was either going to go down the policing route or I was going to go into the the military. And being a softie, um, I, I I, I went for the policing route. So, so yeah, back then, that you got accommodation and you got paid. That that right? Yeah. So twelve months um, living at Hendon, um, the old wow. Hendon training centre, which was amazing. Um, Two hundred and fifty pounds a month. It went one place and one place only, which was uh, at the local pub, the White Bear in um, <laughs> yeah. in Hendon. A great place, and on Domino's Pizza. Um, uh, following but, tradition of many decades, no less, no doubt. A, 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 absolutely. So, um, and in that year, you did community placements, you did um, the outward bounds, your, your, your fitness. There was so much that you did in that year. And they said they turned young, um, young teenagers or 18, 19 in, into men. Well, it taught me a lot of things. That, that's what I would say. Um, yeah. In that time, yeah. And, and that's me ready for my passing out. So, um, yeah. Was the it, what was he? Because now Mike Panic went to obviously this as well, didn't he? And he, he describes it. And I initially adju- uh, applied for the Met. Uh, I was working in London. And I said, well, I live. And they, they were only, funny enough, it's very relevant, but they said they were only accepting people from London at the time. Um, so I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't go, and I thought, and that was the first lesson to me because I thought, oh, that's it, my whole policing career is over now. Um, because Devon and Cornwall, they were looking for quite mature people, and that's certainly not what I wasn't. And I could do one better than you. I had a CSE grade three in French, my friend. So I was able to tell you anything in French as long as there was a cat under the table. But um, I'm waiting still to use that phrase. But right, so, but that's it. You started off with next to no qualifications, didn't you? Yeah, and, you know, but what I've always said is through hard work and determination, commitment, you can achieve anything you want. Yeah. Um, and that that's what I, I did. I worked hard in whatever I did throughout my career, hmm. and then I took the opportunities when when they arose. But I, I didn't join, join the police of aspirations that I was ever going to be a assistant chief constable um and I, I remember so i started off in west ham so i did two two years my probation period there and i sat down with my in, inspector then in my probation um and having that conversation he said what do you want to be son you know in, in your career and i said well i'd i'd like to be an inspector by the time i uh, 
retire. I thought that's a, a good aspiration. He goes, have you got a degree? And yeah. I said, well, no. Yeah, and he goes, well, you might as well yeah. forget about that. No. Yeah. And you, you, you know what? Even back and then. I, yeah. And it's, you, you see, no one can ever tell you not to do something. The only people who decide are you. Yeah. You, know, you, you, you choose your own destiny. You take control. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we have all these processes and, and what have you, but it's how hard you work in your commitment and doing it for the right reasons as well, which I, I can give you examples of that later on as we talk. Did you, did you, um, I mean, so you, you ended up being head of proceeds of crime, all right, detective superintendent, say, at this stage in, in the Met, right, which is, uh, I think, a, per, a really cool job because that's what the public think that is the best, that's the Robin Hood. That, that is getting all the stuff from the bad people and giving it to the good people again, you know? Um, and it's, but did you find, well, first of all, before you tell us about that job and then the others you, you did uh, in the Met, did you find that um, it would have been easier if you'd done a degree or did you do a degree once you were in the police, which a lot of people did in Devon and Cornwall, I know, um, in order to progress their career? Because I remember that being told to all of us pretty much, you know, um, if you haven't got a degree, forget it. But how yeah, did you find that? So I, I think it's over the years I, I developed what, what people call imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people uh, talk to you, and I've had this in, in various ranks, and, you know, I've been assessing at the College of Police, and I've done all this, and you sit, sit there and have a chat with people, and all they're doing is almost getting their degree scroll out and talking about it. And then you start thinking, well, hang on, but I haven't got one. And I got to the point in those early days, I wouldn't say anything hmm. because you felt so, you, you almost made to feel stupid. Yeah. You know, and, and then I got to the point where actually when people were saying they were talking about it, they're saying, well, I haven't got a degree. You know, what, 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 what about that? You know, yeah. and that actually brought people to to a different position because you don't need a degree to succeed no you know do i want my children to go off and get a um a a degree yeah i'd love them to and i'd be really yeah. proud but also if they choose they don't want to do that then i'll support them in whatever they they do because that's how they're going to achieve you I know have, yeah yeah i it's, mean it, look at the message no, someone's written you know, pe people who have degrees, great. Yeah, I'm not someone who's against someone having a degree or degree. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but I, I look at me, I would never have joined. And I think I've achieved some great things yeah. in, in, in policing, but I've been me um, and worked hard. I think it's there's two routes, isn't there? You can you can go down the academic line or you can go down the, the practical line and, and, and learn as, as you go. Um, <clears throat> Uh, yeah. Scotty Bateman. There you go. There's a, a good example. Um, I mean, phenomenal career Scotty's had yeah. in the uh, RAF. Should we really annoy him and say he's in the Navy and he'll yeah, yeah, yeah. off big stuff? <laughs> oh my God, oh. he can't say anything. He <laughs> can't say anything. Oh, no. that's <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can have so much fun. <laughs> 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 uh, to be fair, I, I, 
can't believe we haven't started on the detective jokes yet, but I'm sure we'll get there. No. Right. And that's what makes the world balanced. You know, I know some people who are incredibly well educated, but they couldn't do my job. Um, and there's that, the old saying as well, isn't there? Those that what well, those that can do and those that can't teach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. But isn't that the message? People writing here now, and Don is saying our team ethos here is never give up on something that you can't <clears throat> go a day without thinking about. Um, it's, it's coming to work to do a job you enjoy is <clears throat> no, is no longer like a job anymore, is it? But um, or that that doesn't mean you love every every bit of it, but. And uh, Hazel said the common theme was, there's a theme emerging here, isn't it? I'll stick it up again. That is so true. And it's the variety of people that make, I look around my team in the, in the ARV unit, and there is not a sort of the same similar type of person in there. They are chalk and cheese from each other. You know, one's really dead serious. One's really hilarious. One is, I, I can, he's just like, a. it'll just go off like a little clockwork toy and do stuff. The other one, I just need a little nudge a little bit and they'll be absolutely fine. And it's the variety of stuff. And this is what I think is refreshing about degrees and non-degrees. You need both, don't you? You do. And what, what you're talking about is team. And, and yeah. no one person is greater than the other person. We, we're all special. We're all unique. You all bring something. You know, and, and you have to take that approach when, when you're talking about team. And that's not rank. It's nothing. It is you know, I can't stand people who think they're better than someone else. I really can't stand that. We are human beings. Yeah, you know, I remember once yes. being in a pub and the inspector saying, call me sir. I thought, why am I calling you sir? I'm in a pub. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that, I'm talking years ago. And yes, discipline, I'll, I'll call old governor's sir, ma'am now because I've got that respect. Yeah. But come on, don't, don't ever <laughs> say that you must do that when you're, you're socialising. I think sometimes people have to get their heads out of their backsides. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so <clears throat> tell us about proceeds of crime initially and then a little bit about the Olympics because you had quite a responsible job there as well. Um, you know, yeah. because people don't really know much. How much money does go back? Is it is it easily done or is it a really complicated process? <laughs> so if, I, if I'll cover that first, and here's, yeah. we, we talked about exams as well, didn't we? So head of proceeds of crime, you think I'd be a bit of a mathematician, a bit of an accountant. Well, I, I took my maths O level three times, and I um, I got three grades D, U, D. So when someone's telling you you're a dub, <laughs> you, you, you kind you kind of think I get the message. I did think about doing it one more time to get an E to be a dude, yeah. but you know there, there, there was there, there was no guarantee. So it, it's it, it's funny how I ended up with that job, and I'll talk about the Olympics in in a minute. I I delivered everything I had to on on the Olympics, and I was heading off to um, the what I would call the elite team in. Specialist Crime in London. So what was SCNO7, Specialist Crime Operation 7, the home of the Flying Squad, the Projects team, all those really sexy um, parts of, of the organisation. And my um, finished Olympics and my commander at the time called me into the office and said, Nick, um, I want you to do the, the proceeds of crime role. And you know when you look at someone and you think, do I have a choice? And those words came out of my mouth. Do, do I actually have a choice? I'm off to this sexy little area over here, 
and you want me to run proceeds of crime? And he said, no, you don't really. So it's like, well, there you go. I'll, I'll accept that. Thank you very much. Best thing I ever did. Really? You know, to take that opportunity to actually try and transform how the Met Police dealt with proceeds of crime. You know, performance uplifted 30% in the two years I was there. Wow. Actually seeing people from frontline, and it's all about the frontline all the time. You know, your you cops, your traffic cops, your dog handlers, understanding what to do when they seize money. You know, it isn't. The, just the remit of a financial investigator over there. And by making it a specialism, we de-skill people. And that was the problem. So my emphasis was go back to basics, bring it to the front, empower people to do it, and, and then deliver what we did. And absolutely transformed it. You know, I was wow. told you can have 200 more people. I said, I don't need them. You know, I'm, I've never been someone who says, I need 100 cops, 250. Yeah. You you look at what you've got and you try and do it the right way, the best way you possibly can. It's not about numbers. It's how you do it. And actually, it's how you mobilize. And you're, I mean, you're, you're talking about getting money off of proper wrongings, people who have devastated communities through their actions and I mean, have you got facts and figures? Have you got numbers? Have you got, you know, it must be in the, in the millions, surely, the, the money. Oh, God, crikey. So on, on average now, it's about 160 million a year that is taken off um, the criminals. You know, but, but that's, Dave, but that's the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, we, we don't do anywhere enough where it comes to proceeds of crime and taking the money off the bad guys. You know, I can because imagine that. Yeah. Uh, again, people don't understand. They're scared of it. And it is yeah. like when people talk about cyber, cops are scared of cyber because they don't understand it. Yeah. But all, all it is actually is an investigation using a computer. Yeah, a crime's taken place using a computer. If, if you look at majority of cyber, what people talk about cyber, yeah. you know, so, you know, we, we scare people. We have to... You know, simplify things. And that's what I try to do all the way through my career. Take take nice. what is complex, turn it into simple so people understand. Yeah. That's you know, thing. and that helps my brain. What percentage of the proceeds of crime went, because most of it goes to the government, doesn't it? But what percentage did the Met get to keep? I can't remember what it is. Most so there's di di different percentages. I don't want to bore you your audience, but so for a forfeiture, so when you've had cash and you forfeited it off and you've gone for the courts, 50% goes to the police force or the law enforcement agency and 50% goes to the, the government. And then you've got something called confiscation, which is when you've gone, you've had your conviction, then you go for all the assets. So the houses, you know, it could be the cars, it could be the jewelry and you, you it could be crypto, Bitcoin. Now, that's, wow. that, 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 that's coming in, and you take that, you have to go for the courts, get a confiscation order, and then you get 18.75% of, um, of that. Right. So, but that, that's hard. Then we got Detective, <coughs> Detective Inspector just messaged below. He's uh, uh, someone I know very well. He's a, he'll be 
he'll be he's completely on side with all that very clever man and things so uh, yeah it's keeping it simple stupid that's the main thing isn't it and a lot of it is simpler than you think it's just we don't do it often enough as as well you know and and that that is it and that goes back again so when when i looked at suddenly where i ended up you know and i said this to harry i never thought i'd be one of them because they, they, they would use long words that I didn't understand, and they no. were so clever. I, I wasn't one of, one of them. But actually, when I went for, through that process, I nailed it. But yeah. I stayed true to who I was. And I was lucky at that time, I think, because it, it was looking at people with more emotional intelligence. And I like to think I've got bucket loads of emotional intelligence over the years. Did you have uh, policing in your family at all, or, or um, you know what, what no. was it? No. So, so my my family life when I was young was so you know my dad died when I was two. Wow. So, okay. so we were living in Grantham in Lincolnshire, then, and then we moved to Devon, where the my mum and his family were to to be closer. So moved there about when I was five, and so it was my mum. Um, Is this your first arrest? Yeah, well, I, I'm the little one. I'm the little fat. Oh, you're the little one. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's my brother beating me up, as he did for many, many years. Um, and, 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 and doing doing that. So no police in the family. Military on my, my dad's side and my mum's side. Yeah. Oh, I love that picture. Can I I'll just explain you? that picture? I'm, I'm the one holding the ball. And oh. if, you, if, you, if you go in... You will see the screwed up face. <laughs> yeah, so, you can. But this is this is typical me. I always get caught. Um, everyone was <laughs> making funny faces in every picture. The one they published is the one of me. And you know, I, I ended up getting brought up in the assembly back then and getting told off for making the funny face. Uh, and it's just like, really? But you know, so. So from my direction, and I, I, I mentioned this yeah. yesterday, but my, my, my childhood, having had that, then, you know, lived in a house with mum's boyfriend who, who was a domestic abuser, you know, had that for probably eight, nine years oh, wow. as, as, as you're growing up. So you – and people say, is, is that a reason you joined the police? And I don't – I don't know, but probably why I care so much about about what goes on and sees that. You know, I was one of those children looking out the window as the police walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, you know, when you hear it and you know, you hear people blame or or you hear cops dismissing domestic abuse as a a, a non crime or a hassle, which happened over the years, not so much yes. now. Then, then you you challenge it and and deal with it. But that also learned me, helped teach me to um, compartmentalize stuff. So you you you'd go from home, which was a a challenging environment, nothing but respect and love for my mum, yeah. to to school, of which no one knew what what you were going through. So. As you've gone through your career, I can very much switch from home, 
to yeah. to work. It doesn't matter what's going on in my private life. I can then go there because my role is to, you know, be there for other people. I'm a protector. I'm a natural protector, and that's what gives me the greatest of pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, we do have yeah. similar in our, in our early lives, Nick, that's for sure. Um, uh, I think yeah, you, you and Dave, yeah, similar sort of starts, didn't you, Dave, as well, really? Well, I lost my dad at 11 months old, so... And then, and then my mum really struggled, um, and I certainly don't have a degree. Although I'm quite tempted to get one now. My problem is, I, I quite like the idea of going for for a degree, but in order to do that, I need the support of the job, and the job don't want me to do the degree that I want to do. They want to do a degree they want me to do, which so mm. it's a bit of a a bit of a an, an issue there. Yeah. But, yeah Just I mean, for the but don't, give, but don't <coughs> give up, Dave. Do, yeah. do, do the one you want to do. I. If, if I'm honest, I have no interests. I, I tried once. I, I talked about. I I want to spend time with my my kids. Yeah. I don't I don't want to spend spend my time with my head in a book. I've I lost so many years. Yeah. With my children. Yeah. And you know because I was. Pe- people yeah, need to realise. People who are literally watching in, and it's basically they got rid of any overtime for any other ranks um, with a bit of a deal where they got inspectors and above got slightly more money in their bank account, but they couldn't claim overtime. And of course, so PCs and sergeants can claim overtime or put time on their card. I think you could put time on your card. But um, basically, if you want to make any rank whatsoever, you basically donate your life to it. Um, and so I can fully see where people like Nick here has, has, if you added up how much you got paid per hour, it was probably near minimum wage because <laughs> you are sort of expected to, aren't you? Yeah, and, you know, I was in the early days of, of that and I knew, I knew what I was getting into when I, I went for a, the, the inspector rank and, and losing that and you... You, you just do it. It's because that's your job and being on call and, you know, being being called out in the middle of the night time, whichever. And that, that's the life you live. But in all of that, the, there's the other side. It's what you're missing. And there's that impact. And I think when you're doing it, you don't see it so much. And it's, you know, it, it, it's yeah. that trail of um, harm, hurt that you leave behind. You know, so I've got five kids, two marriages, you know, just separated from number two. And it, it, it's that impact that that has on you, you know, and, and what you cause. And when your children said you're never here, you know, that, that's, it's hard. Yeah, that hurts. And it's true. Someone's being nice about you, Nick, saying that you were there their temporary commander and they said you were a really nice bloke, which is nice to hear. Because I guess you don't always get to hear that. But, yeah, I think that's... You know, even from my, from my level, my wife and I, we work opposites to try and make sure the the, the house keeps running. And you're you're either a, a single parent father family or a single parent mother family in this house. So when we do something together, it's really important. And, and we tend to stick on things like sitting around a table and actually having a chat. And it is it is hard, isn't it? I mean, I, yeah, it is. And I used to get told as soon as my phone went, I changed. You go from being bad yeah. husband into, and I said, no, no, that doesn't happen. But then you 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 realise, and when I left, I was shattered. Yeah, absolutely shattered. Because you were, 
you were a tactical farms commander as well, which for, so for everyone listening as well. So I was operational farms commander. I was basically team leader in a in a group, and um, I uh, and I was also. Um, yeah, a farm's tactics advisor. And when I was in that role, I would then work alongside a Nick Downing. And you, you, it was, they were the ones who were going to get it massively in the neck if it went, if there was a shooting or so and so. It's massive responsibility. And it shows it there is particularly for people who are very practically minded, can think and make good decisions. And sometimes decisions have to be made very quickly and have a conviction of their decisions, you know. Um, but you you did that, Nick. So that must have been quite a, an interesting time of your life, especially because at home, no doubt, you were rung, rung at home quite a lot with that, weren't you, with farms incidents? or Yeah, so, you... yeah strategic farms commander, also kidnapped. Strategic farms commander as well. Yeah, yeah. so I, I, I did all, all of those different elements. But yeah, there's some brilliant people in policing. And when that phone goes, you know, you, you hear a name. So I'd hear someone like Har Harry's on the phone, right? Okay. Well, I know Harry and I know he's going to give me the it'll best be like, advice. It'll be like that. It'll be like, but, but hi. You, yeah. Uh, hi. Yeah. Harry, Harry, I just say we all do that when we know that you're. <laughs> yeah. It's when, when I, I get it when I get a message from him, for God's sake, put that down. I'll, I'll, I'll look at that tomorrow. Um, but but you are reliant on on those people but you're also reliant on your experience um and i, I mentioned to to harry yesterday and it's not on any of my profiles but i was so a silver as we called it then on a, a fatal police shooting back in 2004 now very few people ha have done have done that or been involved in that, and that was my job. I was a detective inspector at Croydon. You know, it was a, a pre-planned firearms op, um, and the guy got shot, and nothing. And I, I, was, I was there the the night before till about two o'clock in the morning, just making sure everything was ready. It was my job, but nothing ever prepared me. The fact that no. he, he went he went for the gun in the mm. sock where you know all the intelligence was and he, he got yeah. shot and you know I, i'll be honest when i finally got back to the police station i just was in floods of tears because you you can plan and you can prepare but nothing can prepare you for that no. all right and you know it, it was again one of the most challenging times that you think and i still think about that now when it's 16 that years ago you when you were make were doing all the planning and the officers when they were uh, out dealing with it none of you woke up that day thinking we're going to kill someone today that was, the, that was the that was the last thing you wanted to happen and i think that's something yeah, exactly exactly the thing with Nick, now again, taking from experience with, because I did a lot of post-incident procedure stuff. It was like a deputy PIP, what they call it, post-incident procedure. So I did the courses and I worked with the, the officers and I was actually um, uh, part of one of those, not with a shooting, but somebody who jumped off a bridge in front of me. But he, 
that everyone, Nick, Nick will know, like, this is all going, this is fine, okay, got everything, got all my contingencies, I've got all the resources I need, am I looking for, this could be dragging on, I've got other resources coming in, okay, and you're checking with your, and each time you're spinning that wheel, making sure, well, what's the information now, meaning if everything's changed, do my actions change, is this still proportionate, have we got it right, and then, bang, right, and then everyone looks at you, Nick, ding, mm. and you're, you're, you're like, and then you know that every decision you make will be meticulously ripped apart and then you'll also be drip fed the negative press um the family no doubt i, I can't speak for this particular case and i'm not going to but uh, you know the family could be someone not always the nicest of people we deal with and so they are in the press and the press are picking up on that and before and i've spoken to officers where they said you know you start believing the drip feed that you are a murderer that you had gave no you know no other choice and things like this and that can happen years can't it nick it's incredibly it, it, stressful it's, yeah absolutely and and that whole experience so the the pim procedure the pit procedures it was was there for the firearms it was there for the surveillance team but because i was a local di in my team it wasn't there so they got all Take, taken away to you know ni nice areas with support yeah. I, I was left I, I was there on the scene on scene on my mobile suddenly having a, a line through to professional standards and the IOPC saying what's happened you know I was on scene for probably two three hours before yeah. someone came and relieved me so you, you you do that and you know part of that was the debrief I said well we need PIM. We need PIP for local people. And thank God now they're included. But, but you know, it has improved it, a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And absolutely. But and the no TAs are considered that. They are too. Yeah. Um, here's a question uh, from Hazel. Any tips on dealing with pressure at work? How do you all deal with it? Well, I could say it probably didn't help you. You already conceded that you had two, you know, you've had two divorces, that side of things. And that's quite common in policing. And it is, it's that, um, you know, how did you deal with it? Especially the higher you get, I think, the more lonely you can be if oh, I've got a group okay. of people. Yeah, so I did, in some of my leadership talks, I talk about the loneliness of leadership. Right. You know, it's, and senior officers get a lot of bad press. But just remember everyone, they're human. You yeah. know, you, you have these pressures going on and how you cope and who do you have to to talk to yeah. um and those people are few and far be between so how, how do you deal with it well one thing for me was always fitness you yeah. know the, the best right. time where i could clear my brain and mind was going for a run you know that health and fitness healthy Amazing. body healthy yeah. mind. It, it, yeah. it's really really um so important you and you I, also yeah. need to have that that circle of critical friends who that, that person, and I've acted um, in that capacity for many people, say, call me in the dead of the night when you're there and you're lonely and something's going on, call me. And then, you know, you need those people you can trust. Not people, oh, crikey, this has happened, go someone else. Or someone can say, well, why didn't you do? You, you've got to have someone to, 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 listen to, to, to listen to you. And Scotty's just put something up there, isn't he? Confident yeah. outside of absolutely. Yeah. You know, people that you can who who don't know the intricacies and they will just listen. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe give you that different perspective. 
So that network, don't keep it in. Um, and, you know, we had Men's Health yesterday, didn't we? Or Men's International Men's Day. And, yeah. you know, we, we are awful. And I've been awful over the years. Great getting other people to talk to me. But me talking to other people, that but that comes from compartmentalizing. Yeah. I'm there to look after you. You know, but it's it's those sort of things and but I put things in perspective as well. Yeah. Um, I, I remember going for my um senior command assessment center. So what's called uh PNAC, Senior Police National Assessment Center. Hmm. And I saw people, and th so this is for ACPO, NPCC, and some of the, the, the candidates, there, they were so stressed about, about stuff. And I, I remember going for my final interview, and the, I'm getting a phone call. I think, oh, it says wife. And, yeah, oh, that's nice. A little bit of a pep talk on, on the way, took the earphones out. And it was my daughter, um, basically screaming. She's had an argument with her mum. And... I, I just thought at that point, I just smiled because yeah. that, that that put it in perspective. No one was dying yeah. when I was going yeah. into an assessment centre. Right. Yeah. You know, actually then be you and be true, and that's what's really, really important. Don't try yeah. and be someone else. And so many people try to be someone else, yeah. you know, because you are special. And remember that when you go for these things. Harry's great. I'm very. I'm more special than most. <laughs> I'm more special than most. I know, but it took me a long time to to realise that because yeah, you do try to play up for for the stereotype that you think you should be. And actually, I say people say, "What's your advice when you go for interviews and things?" I said, "My advice is to make the best out of your own particular strengths because if I used your strengths, I'd be crap. And believe me, if you use my strengths, you might be absolute crap because mine mine is more of a you know is a less academic and more getting a bunch of people together to to actually hopefully enjoy doing what they do you know i mean our section used to be the happiest smiliest section because they knew i wasn't I, I expected them to work bloody hard but they knew i had their back and they knew i was a sort of come on chat tell you how let's go just do it you know yeah. and it was that sort of enthusiasm because i wanted i wanted to enjoy work you know mm. um some people can be very depressing about it but okay olympics um what was your role yeah. there so i i was the strategic lead for organized crime for london 2012 basically so but my work started in 2009 um leading up to 2012 right helping write the business case being part of that that command team because yeah. it's not just around the investigation for me it's around preventing and actually putting things in place early on and disrupting before the games was so, so sure. in, in, important. So we had a big lead in. I ran a team called Podium, Operation Podium. It was, you know, it was still a national remit, even though we had international reach. Um, lots of scrutiny leading up to the, the games. We did lots of disruption. I travel around the country doing different sporting events to learn. Um, one of the biggest issues was tickets. So yeah. we had yeah. the Premier League, Formula One around the table, Live Nation, you know, learning from people. And and it just shows you 
you can't do things yourself. You have to learn yeah. and and have that humility to learn from others. And I remember I sat down this pool of all these ticketing gurus from different um, venues, and you know, I said, "Well, tell me, tell me who hurts you the most." So they all gave me a list. I cross-referenced that list. There was my targets because if they were doing a music venue, they were doing a sports venue. You then overlaid that with international. So I had my my targets to go after before the games even started. Right. And God, you know, I, I like to think I'm a nice bloke, but I'm I'm a hard-nosed cop. And if I've got a job to do, I'm going to do that job and deliver. Um, and I wrote letters to every single one of them and said, please, you know, this is the situation. Don't don't come anywhere near London 2012. We will find you. I remember being at, um, at Cardiff doing the rugby game, and one of them showed us the letter um, as, as we were arresting him. So, um, you know, that, that was the situation. So they knew, and when they tried, we were there. Um but I had a dual role when it actually came to the game. So I was running podium. So yeah. we had boots on the ground, all different venues, doing all that work. Plus I was a bronze crime. So I was working 12-hour shifts, four days on in the Situation Ops room. Then I was going off to do podium and yeah. getting a couple of hours kit here, here and there. Um, to say it half killed me, yeah. and I've never worked so hard, but I was passionate uh, about that. You know, we crime wasn't the story of London 2012, yeah. which was my my brief. You know, and it could I, have so easily have been. Could yeah, so easily have been. But there's another message from Tracy, and that summed it up, wasn't it? It was a real yeah. time to be proud, but the work and and like you say, it's just getting the, the FA and the Formula One. Did you get any free tickets for Formula One? If you did, can you just? You've got any contacts? That's great. Um, yeah, because nice. it was. Because <laughs> uh, and that one, you know, it, it, it you might as well. They've spent years learning, so you might as well nick their best bits. Um, exactly, and and we delivered it. You see, not one counterfeit ticket at London Town, wow. not one at any venue across the country. All right, so no big ticket scams because we dealt with them all before. Yeah, not not scams. We dealt with the people. Yeah, you know, I was pilloried in in the press. You know, by one company. Yeah, yeah, because I, I named and shamed. I went after them, bought, um, you know, hook, line, and singer. And, you know, that that's what we did, and it was great. Yeah. yeah. But there's also that impact, and it's great kudos. But then I went home after six weeks, yeah. and my 18-month-old daughter ran away from me because she hadn't seen me for six weeks. Yeah, and then yeah, you yeah. actually feel, you, you go from being, oh, yeah, I'm – here and then you go back and actually you feel you feel that and we all have to remember you know those around us and the impact and that's so so important you know as you think you're big jolly big bananas or, or whichever because you've done this no there's yeah. a massive impact but great Is great that, time were you knackered there? Is that why you're not looking too impressed with Boris there <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he was, he was, he, you know, I love Boris. Sorry, I'm, I'm not, not politically, but just as yeah. a, in, in. Oh, no, I, 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 I'll tell he, you now, I love, I love 
people who are just themselves and they bumble their way through the political speak that they were meant to do i've been very disappointed i must admit but oh bring back the characters fantastic it, so yeah sort of but the lift so he was both london mayor and my local mp when i was borough commander at Hillingdon. um and he would come and visit and we'd have our meetings and it was great you know first name terms it, it's He'd walk around and the lift he gave uh, those officers and staff, you know, you, yeah. you can't, you, you, you know, if you could bottle that yeah. there and all the team doing selfies with him and all, all the rest, and he'd do it. And he gave yeah. him the time and effort. So for me, it make, making my teams feel better about themselves, then great. And he'd listen, but an extremely bright man. Don't believe that you know, the buffoon potential yeah. that he raised to be. No, no, um, I'm definitely more of a favour, I must admit. But as I say, uh, politics is, yeah, it's all very messy in this day and age. Dave's here, so we can't talk about it too much. Um, yeah. Yeah, what about, <laughs> hey, tell us very quickly about this one as well now. This is, that's quite a uh, meet, isn't oh, it? Yeah. He's a, well, he's, what a man he's, he is. He's going to be legendary for, um, you know, you know, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. So this was a hundred years of Scotland Yard, and he'd oh. done a documentary, and this was a, a little function um, at the yard. And you see, there's a guy behind. There was a big queue yeah. from so many of us to just spend a moment with Trevor McDonald, yeah. who is a gentleman, a legend, yeah. and yeah. such a privilege to have that photo and be in his company. You, you know, when you look at people, such a such class. Yeah. You know, yeah. Class. Oh, my Devon accent comes out there, but yeah, it does. Class. Yeah, class. Yeah, 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 you know, when you're in your senior ranks and, and in a big organisation like the Met and even Kent when you went to, was it Kent? Kent? Yeah, yes. Kent and Essex. I covered both. You've so. got thousands of people underneath you and you need to keep them motivated. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you, you said you were passionate. I know you talked about the effect it had on home life, but I think when you're passionate, that really rubs off on people. Enthusiasm is great, but we all know, you know, come... Uh, after Christmas, we all talk about going on a diet and, and we're enthusiastic for it. But by mid-January, enthusiasm has gone. But passion is something that lives with you forever. And I think that is what shines. Whenever I talk about you to anybody who's had contact with you, they talk about the passion. They talk about you, the man. And, and they found it addictive to, to work for you. And I do think that there's something massive in, in, that, in having passion for something. And that's how you can keep people uh, you're working with yeah. who are working for you motivated. Um, and and that, that, yeah. that's great to hear. And, and, and you care. It, it's passion and you care. And, yeah, you know, and that, that's what's important. Don't get me wrong. I've made mistakes. And there's plenty of people who, look who like won't caring. like me. That looks scary. <laughs> that's what people say. I like that. If, I'm, if I'm sat outside your office waiting for a bollocking and you, I walk in and you're there like that. I'm sorry, I'm giving yeah. my resignation in. I won't. Jesus. <laughs> Not fucking two smoking barrels pose, that is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Right, yeah. go on, Dave. Do you have something to do with the puppies coming on to Britain's Got Talent? Was that, was that you? Did you have something to do with that? Yeah, so I did the uh, connections for, um, you know, because obviously Zeb. Yeah. Who, um, so Zeb uh, was a PC at Kingston, and I got to know Zeb when I was a commander covering that, that area. Um, and he, he put a call in, and I... Did the introductions to um, get yeah. your lovely little puppies? There you go. Anybody who, who hasn't seen it is on YouTube. You can have a look. But there, we had six beautiful puppies from, uh, I think we had Kent and uh, Sussex and Surrey come on. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that those puppies got us through to the final. So, <laughs> well, it wasn't the magic, was it? <laughs> <laughs> but isn't, it, isn't that, Dave? Isn't it strange because you get you get some bosses who would have said, "Oh no, 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 no." Oh, Sorry, we had, but... we had yeah. that. and Nick went. I see no harm. I think it's going to do something good, and it will mm. it will the police in a in a good light. And he was all for it. And I think you know you need you definitely have to have bosses like that. Otherwise, yeah, it's very stiff and stagnant, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think you've got people who aren't scared of their own shadow. Yeah, is is what what I would say, you know, and and look at it and take the risk. You know, we we, we need to take risks, um, and actually, you you what what's the harm that yeah. that yeah. that could happen? And we got support people, really got support yeah. people. Oh, that's good. Um, I haven't actually seen this, but I know what they mean. <laughs> Peaky blinders, is it for you? Oh, yeah. They put leaky blinders, are they? Yeah. Well, I think that's because that is- I'm, I'm old and have to go for a wee in the night. <laughs> yeah yeah um anyway we've had loads of uh, uh tips about having not to have a wee by leaving the tent you have some cat cat litter with a bag and you do it like that but anyway um but i've got to say and we haven't even talked about when you retired and your job there as well my friends so but it is we're that time and i think we need to have you um uh, a few months down the line would be lovely to have yeah, you right. back again yeah yeah look blinders you need to get that a is. hat. I, I, need, I need the hat. Yeah, do it again, definitely. Brilliant. Yeah. Oh, and one thing, uh, can yeah, um, people can. Where is it? Very, very quick. There we go. There we go. This is what we want. There you go. You can follow Nick Downing, Nick Downing SCD on Twitter. Um, it's a very active Twitter account, so you can follow him on Twitter. Um, Dave and I, you need to uh, weaken. He's Twitter. So we haven't, we haven't even started his Twitter account, Nick's Twitter account, when he was in the police. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. So really, so he was cool. right from the start. Yeah, bloody brilliant. I remember. And the other thing he said, I feel a bit bad because I'm coming on to your um, uh, frontline chat, and you haven't got one of these. Um, but you know, <laughs> so Christmas is coming and everything. But um, Nick, you need to get yourself sorted. You're not doing a degree for Christ's sake. So you might as well, you might as well do something. Hang on. There you go. Oh God! 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 Just because the, the detective doesn't love you, I love you. It's just so. No, Nick's is not signed, I don't think. So, uh, is it now? No, it's not. No. 
See, that devalues it if we sign it. <laughs> but anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming. I really appreciate it. And I think, we, you know, that's it. That's our time. It's gone. It's gone. And um, we've just got to say thank you so much for joining us. We've had a really good high hit rate um, here today. Nick, you've been really popular. Um, everyone have a, have a good time. Watch your recorded uh, England match with Ireland on Amazon, if that's what you can do. But um, otherwise, we'll see you next week sometime. All right, have a good one. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Cheers. Wait.